1: interesting thing that happens among believers, Christian believers, followers of Christ, when you live in uncertain times and when you live in difficulties, is that we enter into a mode where it's like the the coming of Christ becomes so real to us. Do you know what I mean by that? You, you hear that among especially the older people that Jesus is coming back. And he is. And so your perspective gets wrapped up in that and... And it's almost like, can I be honest with you, what I, what I sense there is almost a giving up. Like there's no sense struggling anymore. There's no sense Jesus is coming. And, and we get into that mindset. It's almost like a laziness mindset. And, and it's illustrated through some of the extreme things that we've witnessed. Do you remember just a few years ago when the guy said that Jesus was coming back in May? And, and I remember listening to the news about a trucker from the East Coast, quitting his job. Quitting his job, hopping in a vehicle, driving all the way out to California, the way outside the radio station, where the guy was who had his program that said that Jesus was going to come back in May. Now, I thought, I'm thought i thinking about him, and I'm wondering, okay, here we are two years later. Jesus didn't come back then. Is he still driving truck? Did he find another job? Is he even going to church anymore? Because that creates disappointment because we can get into a mindset where we don't understand what we're supposed to do in the meantime. And we get disappointed. Because the fact of the matter is is we are living in uncertain times and it just seems like it's getting darker sometimes, doesn't it? What do we do in the meantime? Do you know what I mean? What do we do in the meantime? And that that reminds me in, in Matthew of, of the parable of the talents. Do you remember the parable of the talents? Where Jesus Jesus said that the master left and he, he had three servants and he gave one servant five talents and he gave another servant two talents and he gave one servant one talent. And, and it, when he came back, he asked him, what did you do with the talents that I gave you? And the one, the wicked servant, buried it. And he was judged because he didn't do anything with it. Now that parable is is right in the midst of Jesus' teaching concerning what's going to happen in the end and his return. And it's kind of a picture of what we need to be doing. It's, it's, It's an issue of what are you doing in the meantime? And that's what we're going to talk about today is in the meantime. What are you doing? How are you living in the meantime? Where's your focus in the meantime? Because Jesus is coming, we just don't know when it is, right? We know it'll happen suddenly, we know that we're going to be with Him, but what do we do in the meantime? And Paul tells us. Right here in these verses. In fact, He's going to tell us in verses 6 through 11. Now, let me just stop for a moment. When I was reading this, I thought, isn't this interesting? It's almost the most, one of the most neglected passages of Scripture. What do you mean, George? Well, everybody knows 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 13 through 18, where it talks about the rapture of the church. And you'll hear message after message about the rapture and about being ready because Jesus is coming back. And he is, folks. I'm not mocking that, and I don't want to mock that. That's truth. And then in verses 1 to 5, maybe you'll hear some teaching on the fact that you don't need to be fearful because you have a standing with God. You're a child of the light. But verses 6 through 11 are the neglected verses because in verses 6 to 11, he's basically telling us what we need to do in the meantime. In the meantime. So let's look at what he says here. Look with me at verse 6. Look at what he says. Therefore, let us not sleep as others do, but let us watch And be sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night. And those who get drunk, are drunk at night. But let us who are of the day, be sober. Putting on the breastplate of faith and love. And as a helmet, the hope of salvation. For God did not appoint us to wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. Who died for us, that whether we wake or sleep, we should live together with him. Therefore, comfort each other and edify one another, just as you also are doing. Here's what we're going to do, folks. We're going to take these verses, verses 6-11, and we're going to look. We're going to basically divide them into two sections. We're going to see a proper perspective. We're going to take the whole issue of Jesus' return. He's going to give us a proper perspective, what we need to do with that. And then the second section is a proper outlook. The actions, what needs to take place now. The perspective of our mind, first section. The outlook, what needs to take place. We're going to see that in this passage. So the first thing I want you to notice is, if I'm going to have a proper perspective, look with me at verse 6, and look at what he says there. Notice what he says there. Therefore, do not sleep as others do. What's he talking about sleeping, George? Because earlier in chapter 4, he, he mentioned sleep, and it talked about people who were dying. I don't want to die, so how does that make applicable to me? I don't want to die. So yeah, I can see what he's saying there. Different word. He's talking about something completely different now. He's ch- Maybe the same English word, but it's a different Greek word. And the word sleep there is not talking about you dying. It's really talking about you being lazy. So the first thing I want you to notice is, is what he's saying here, if you're going to have a proper perspective, is don't get lazy. Don't get lazy in your Christian life. Now, how relevant is that? Well, I find it to be very relevant. Because I'm going to be honest with you, the church in North America is affected, infected with a disease of laziness. And what happens is, is we know our doctrine about when Jesus is coming back. We're very sure of when the rapture will happen. We know that he's going to be there. And when times get tough, we, we what we do is we kick back in our lazy boy. We rock back. And we're like waiting for Jesus to come at any moment. And get us out of here. And so we get lazy. And I, I know why the laziness happens. because Actually, it happens because of our ignorance. What do you mean our ignorance, George? Well, because sometimes we confuse suffering with the wrath of God. See, God promised that he would take the church in the rapture so that it wouldn't go through the wrath of God. But that's what he's going to pour out on this world in the tribulation. That's not the suffering that we experience in this everyday life. God didn't promise you to take away your suffering now. Do you understand what I'm saying? And so we get into this mindset. As soon as it seems like t- times are getting tougher, woo, I'm ready for Jesus. And we get lazy. We get lazy in our Christian walk. Because we've confused things. We've confused the reality that God is promising us to not partake in this wrath here. And so you hear crazy things. Like you'll talk to some Christians and they'll say, yeah, we're in the tribulation now. We're in the tribulation now. First of all, where did you get that biblically? They didn't get it anywhere biblically. What they're getting it from is that times are tougher now than they were ten years ago. And they don't like suffering. But I'm going to tell you something. I was with some folks a couple years ago. I was uh, doing a conference going through the book of Revelation. And I'm talking to people who who would spend time in prison for their faith, who've been tortured beaten, who who undergo being ostracized by their society, who who basically, a lot of them were poor, have nothing, and I was totally shocked that they're going through some intense persecution. But they had a firm, solid belief that one day Jesus was going to come to them and take them so that they didn't have to experience the wrath of God. See, they didn't, they didn't equate what Satan was doing to them right now through suffering with God's wrath being poured out on the wicked. And see, we do that. We, 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 we combine it and we confuse it. And so we get lazy. Oh, I'm just waiting. I'm just waiting. Just kind of kick back. It's like what I do when I'm in an airport. I'm just kick back waiting for my flight. Waiting for the gate to call. Waiting for the trump to sound. Don't be lazy. That's what he's talking about here. If I'm going to have a proper perspective of understanding the return of Christ, don't get lazy. What does he tell us to do then? Again, verse 6. Live your life with an awareness of the future. Live your life with an awareness of the future. Do you wake up in the morning and say this? Is this the day, Lord? Are you coming today? If you're not, Lord... Help me to live my life for you today? How many to, help me to be what you want me to be today? Help me to deal with the stuff that you want me to deal with today because I, I want to live for you. I long for you to come, Lord. I long for you to come. Live your life with an awareness of the future. Because look at what he says. Let us watch and be sober. Let us watch. You know, it's interesting. I you know I I got memories from our from our kids, and sometimes this still happens at our house and we, we, we know we got guests coming or if we got family coming, especially you, you've met my, my brother-in-law Ross and, and Lori's sister Jody and, and, and they don't come and visit us very much, but when they do come and visit, our kids get really excited. They love being with their cousins. And, and, and they'll do things like this. I mean, sometimes I've watched them through the years where if they know they're coming and if they know what hour, they're watching by the window to see down Anderson Avenue if they'll turn off of Meadow into coming along the creek and I will say, they're here! They're here! And they're running outside, all the cousins are here! That's watching, isn't it? You know what I'm talking about! There's an anticipation! He's talking about here that you need to live your life with an awareness of the future, with an anticipation of Jesus coming back. How are, how are you with doing that? I've got to admit that I'm not doing too well with that. I don't live my life with that anticipation, do you? That's what he's calling us to do in the meantime here. He's calling us to live our lives with that anticipation. What, what, why? Why? Because here's the thing, he's telling us verse 7, look at what he says in verse 7, for those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who get drunk are drunk at night. Who's he talking about? He says, the world is indifferent to Christ's return. The world is indifferent to Christ's return. Have you ever noticed that? Have you ever, you ever, ever been in a discussion at work where somebody brings up the return of Jesus, and most people are like, oh, yeah. Really? I'm just worried about now. I'm worried about how I'm going to pay my bills now. I'm worried about my junk at home. I'm worried about this or worried about this, that, or another. And, and people really don't care. Have you noticed that? Because that's how the world lives. Now, you might be shocked. Maybe some of you are living that same way. You shouldn't be. The greatest event in history is going to take place and you're going to be a part of it. But that's what the world thinks. The world is indifferent to it. The world mocks it. You need to have that perspective. So what needs to happen here? We need to have a proper outlook. Look with me in verses 8. Look at what he says there. But let us who are of the day be sober. What's he saying here? I think this is the first one. This is the one where we struggle with the most. And I think it's very interesting that in the meantime, he's going to talk about how you live your life. Isn't that interesting? Let me stop for a moment before I tell you what he says here. We're in a world that's going crazy. We're in a world where times are uncertain. We're in a world where darkness seems to be growing ever more and more. We're in a world where we don't really know what's going to, what it's going to be like two years from now, let alone six months from now. Do you, you know what I'm saying? And 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 we want to know how do, how do we live in this world? How do we live in this world? Where's the focus needs to be? What what he's going to tell you where the focus needs to be? He's going to talk about you, you. And Look at what he says there. Look at what he says, verse eight. He tells you right off the bat, it's just a simple word. Let us who are of the day be sober. Well, you know, George, I don't have a drinking problem, so I'm all, I'm doing okay with that one, folks. Sobriety has nothing to do with just alcohol. The word actually means self-control. He's saying that in the meantime, you who are of the day, you have a perspective, you're, you're excited, you're waiting. In the meantime, you need to be self-controlled. So what he's saying here is, is that believers must be self-controlled. You get a grip on it. I don't need to tell you what it is. You're not, I, first of all, I don't know what it is in your life. You know what it is. You know where you're out of control. Did you know what I'm saying? You know where you're out of control. I mean, there are times when you know where you're out of control. Like, you know what? I, I used to, when I go to the beach, I love seafood. I mean, I love seafood. And one of my favorite things about going to seafood places down south is the fish houses. And and I'll tell you what I like about the fish houses. They're buffets. And they're pretty expensive. And I try to make sure that I get every dollar's worth of what I paid to get in there. So you better bring the forklift in to bring me out of there. And I'm going to tell you what that's like. That's called being out of control. Do you know what I mean? You and I are out of control in our lives. And I don't need to tell you what it is. I don't know what it is to your life. I'm not sitting there this week. I'm following them to see what it is in their life. No, no, you know what it is in your life, because some of you are covering it, but you know where you're out of control. You say, George, I thought we need to learn how to live in this world that's going crazy, and he's talking about me here. He's talking about you not being crazy. Just because the world's out of control, you need to be in control. You need to be in control of you. You need to be sober. Do you understand what I'm saying? Because listen, let me explain something to you. Have you noticed the reason why the world's out of control? It's their coping mechanism to deal with how uncertain times are. Do you have you noticed that? It's the attitude of we better live it for today because we don't know what tomorrow is going to be. He's saying you have a hope. You're a child of the day. You be controlled. You be sober. You be self control That's the first thing he's telling us to do, the proper outlook. Here, notice the second thing. He, he says this, verse 8, he's telling you here, he's almost using the same illustration that he uses in Ephesians chapter 6 concerning the armor of God. And let me just tell you, he's not using it like some magic spiritual formula. He's using it as an illustration to illustrate truth. So here's what he's saying here. Look at what he says, verse 8. Putting on the breastplate of faith and love, and as a helmet... The hope of salvation. What's he saying here? First thing he's saying is, believers have faith and love to protect their hearts. Because here's the thing, you are living in uncertain times. The times are dark, and they are encroaching on your life, and things are being imposed upon you that you didn't expect. And times are tough, and and things are just kind of, your world's turning upside down and you're like, what do I do? What do I do? What he's saying is that the way that you can stand in the midst of it, the way that you can live in the midst of it, is that your heart is protected by two things. Number one, your faith in God. Your faith in Jesus and what he's done for you. Your faith That you will one day be with Him. That's going to protect you. That's going to help you to stand strong in the midst of whatever's going on in the chaos in your life. The other thing He tells you is love. Love that He has for you. Love that you realize that you are accepted. Love of... Even others, you know why we have church folks we're going to be when we're done with Thessalonians we're going to be doing a series on being the church again, okay we're going to talk about what it means to be a church, and part of it is is that it's a community of love it's the place that you go to when you're going through the stuff that you're going through in these uncertain times, and you know that at least there's one place you can go to where you at least find some encouragement to hang in there, to go through the stuff that you're going through. See, you need to wear that like a breastplate is what he's saying here. You need to guard your hearts because you will be attacked. You will be beat up on. You will be. You'll go through it. But that's not just the only thing he tells you. He talks about the helmet. What is he talking about here? Well, he's talking about our minds. He says this, our minds are protected by the hope of salvation. Think with me for a moment. Maybe you're going through it right now, but I want you to think about the crises that we face and how we respond. Have you noticed that when we go through a crisis, oh, but by the way, you will go through a crisis if you haven't already gone through one. If you're old, you realize that you go through many of them. And if you're old, you realize they don't stop. Does anybody understand? So here's what happens. When you're in the midst of your crises, have you noticed that you lose your mind? What do you mean, George? I don't go crazy. They don't put me in a mental health unit. No, no, you lose your mind because here's what happens. The mental gymnastics begin. Because you spend all of your time trying to figure out what needs to happen for you to get out of your crisis. Have you noticed that? And you develop 13-step plans. Well, if I do this and if so-and-so does this and if, and if the moon is positioned in the right place on the right time of the day and if it blocks out the sun and a bird flies over at the right time and drops a $20 bill that it picked up from somewhere and I buy the right lottery ticket that hits the big one, then I'll be out of my crisis. You know, you know what I'm saying? You go crazy. Now, you don't go to that extreme. Hopefully not. But you lose your mind because you can't go to sleep at night because all you're thinking about is what? The problem you're going through. You can't have a decent meal because all you're thinking about is what? The problem that you're going through. See, here's what I want you to understand. He's saying that not only do you guard your hearts with faith and love, you guard your minds with what? The hope of salvation. The hope That He will save you from this world. The hope that you belong to Him. And that one day you will be with Him. No matter what happens in this world. Do you you understand what I'm saying? That guards your mind. That's what a helmet does, right? It guards your mind. See, that's how in the meantime here. In the meantime, in these uncertain times here. I'm going to live self-control. I'm going to guard my heart with faith and love, but I'm going to guard my mind so that I can function in this world with my what? Hope of salvation. The salvation I have in Christ. He tells me another thing here. Look with me. This is where we, we've got to be reminded about this. Verses 9 through 10. For God did not appoint us to wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, That we were, whether we wake or sleep, now that word sleep means death, we should live together with him. Here's what he's saying. Believers are not appointed to experience God's wrath. Okay, now why did he put that in there, George? We're talking about what we need to do in the meantime. Why did he have to put that statement in there because he's talking about how I should live and, and so far, yeah, I understand. I gotta be self controlled. I gotta guard my heart heart with faith and love and I gotta guard my mind with the hope of salvation. Now he's gonna say something about that I'm not appointed to God's wrath. I already know that. Why is he telling me that again? He's telling me that I've got salvation Jesus I know that. Why has he got to mention that again? I'll tell you why. Because you'll forget. You hear me? You'll forget. What do you mean I'll forget, George? Hey, think about it. When the fire turns on really hot in your life with the crisis that you're going through, I can almost guarantee you that some of you will say this. Why are you letting this happen to me, God? Why are you doing this to me, Lord? That, my friends, is not the statement of someone who understands. That is the statement of somebody who's forgotten. Do you know what I mean? Because the stuff that you're going through is not the wrath of God on your life. You're not appointed to wrath. Do you understand what I'm saying? He's reminding us that you are not appointed to experience his wrath. So don't ever let it come out of your mouth. No matter what you're going through, why are you doing this to me, Lord? Because Paul's telling us right here, you weren't appointed to wrath, you were appointed to what? Salvation, so that you could be with him. Do you know what I'm saying? That's what he's reminding us here. That's the outlook we need to have. We need to have that outlook. That we're not, we're not to express So one other thing he tells us here, here's what we need to do. In verse 11, ties in with what he said earlier in chapter 4. Therefore, he said this in verse 18, he talked about comfort there, he's gonna talk about it here. Look at verse 11. Therefore, comfort each other and edify each other, just as you also are doing. What's the fourth thing, the fifth thing that we need to do here? We must encourage each other with these truths. See, Paul's a realist. He understands that, yes, these are things and truths that I need to do and that I need to grasp, but the reality is is that I'm a human being. And when the, when the rubber meets the road and the crisis is happening in my life and I get discouraged and I begin to wonder and, and so that I'm not going to get lazy because I'm just waiting for Jesus to show up, I need to have someone come alongside of me. Who's that, folks? The people around you. Your fellow believers in the church. To encourage you. Hang in there. You hang in there. You weren't appointed to wrath. You hang in there. You've got a hope in the future. You hang in there. You, you've got people around you that remind you of the faith. They remind you of the love because they're expressing what? Love. Love. They're expressing love to you. You hang in there. This is what he's telling us to do, folks. You know what? Times are uncertain. Times are getting bad. But what do you do in the meantime? Well, I can tell you right now, you don't get lazy. You don't kick back in your easy chair waiting for Jesus to show up. You make the most of every moment you have now. And you live for Him. And you hold on to your faith and the love that He has for you. And you guard your minds with the hope of the salvation. And you recognize that even as times get tough in your life, you're not going through the wrath of God. He appointed you to something different. And in the meantime, you do your best to encourage each other. We encourage each other just to hang in there. You know what? I'm, I'm gonna be honest with you. Times are uncertain. And I'm not a prophet, okay? So don't stone me if I'm wrong. But if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, the reality of these words are going to become more and more meaningful in the days and years ahead. If you look at what's happening in the world, we can't be lazy. We can't be lazy. We can't take things for granted. So what are we going to do in the meantime?
0: Thank you for being with us this morning. And we trust that today's message has been both challenging and an encouragement to your heart. At Kerwinsville Christian Church, a warm welcome is always extended to you. We're located at 700 State Street, Kerwinsville, Pennsylvania.